0: Hey guys, Mark Meckler here, and I'm very excited about the broadcast today because we're going live, we're doing this on multiple platforms. So you could be watching on X or Rumble or uh, Facebook, on our national page or on my page, I and mean, there's all kinds of places you might be watching this. And so our, our intent on doing this is to reach the widest audience possible and have the most interaction possible. And what the theme of today's uh, event is, is everything COS. So that means anything you want to ask me, uh, you can put that in the comments. I'm going to watch the comments live to the extent I can, depending on how many come in, I'll answer as many as I can. We've got a bunch of people that already pre-submitted some questions on all of those different platforms. And we've kind of been scrolling through all of those questions and trying to figure out which ones are representative, right? Because we get a lot of the same questions over and over. And so I wanna make sure we answer the questions that are most asked. And we do that by compiling them from all the platforms, trying to figure out what's duplicate or very close, and then putting those in a document. So I have a document up there on my left that I'm gonna be referring to for questions. But if you have questions live, I can see all those platforms all at once. We're doing this through StreamYard, allows us to combine all these platforms. And so I have a comments up in front of me, I can see them coming in. And and I wanna say very first and openly, I am completely open to and interested in opposition comments. People who don't like me, don't like us, don't like what Convention Estates is, is doing, are opposed to us. I'm really into answering those questions, and those kind of for me will pop to kind of the top of the list. Uh, so we're just getting started, uh, and uh, it's bottom of the hour now. So I guess this is our official start. My name is Mark Meckler. I'm the president of Convention Estates. We're doing this across multiple platforms right now. Rumble, X, Facebook, my personal Facebook, the COS National Facebook page, we're all over the place. And so we're trying to get as much participation as we possibly can. Producer G is running things behind the scenes. Uh you're going to see him posting stuff uh in the chat, in the comments on the on the StreamYard stream. So if you want to ask a question, if you want to make a comment, I'll do my best to keep an eye on them. I'm here in my home office. This is where I always work on, adjust the camera a little bit, uh, get a more centered view. And people always ask me, so I'm just gonna address this. Is this a set behind you or what is this? And this is actually my office. <laughs> so we've got some, obviously some snazzy lights up behind me, uh, but back behind me, that's a bookshelf. That's a couch back there with a cowhide on it. And you might be able to see the dogs are on the floor back there. That's Levi right there, Winston over here. They're often with me when I'm doing my broadcast. They're Great Danes. Patty and I have owned Great Danes uh, forever. Honestly, our whole lives, literally as long as we've been married, we got our first Great Danes on the way home from our honeymoon. So that's always been a thing. Uh, And now I want to jump right into what we're doing, which is let's answer questions about Convention of States. Okay, so first question I had is kind of what's my background and what made me get involved in Convention of States? And the answer is that my background is I'm a lawyer by training. I got involved in politics for the first time in the Tea Party movement in 2009, I Led, helped lead the largest Tea Party organization in the country, Tea Party Patriots. In 2010, we elected the largest swing class in the history of Congress since 1938, and nothing changed. And for me, that was incredibly elucidating and super frustrating. And so I realized we needed to do something else. Uh, Mike Ferris, a good friend of mine, brought me the idea of a convention of states because he said... It's not about just who we elect. It's about the structure. That's what's broken. So that's how I got involved in COS. Uh, So I got a question about uh, what exactly is Article 5? We know it's about amending the Constitution, but what are you trying to do? And the answer is what we're trying to do is call a convention for the purposes of restraining the federal government, putting it back in the enumerated powers box. There are three elements to the Convention of States application Uh, one is anything that would impose term limits on federal officials that's elected officials and other federal officials so that would be the deep state number two is anything that would impose fiscal restraints on the federal government that's a balanced budget amendment tax caps spending caps etc and the third is anything that would limit the scope power and jurisdiction of the federal government so that's kind of the basic overview uh uh, let's see Symphonia stories asking me how many states are on the cos side now Uh, Also, you're familiar with the 10th Amendment Center. Might be a good channel for you to check out. Uh, Symphonia Stories, uh, there are 19 out of the necessary 34 states that have already crossed the finish line. We currently have 18 states that are running the COS resolution. Multiple states have already moved it through committee. So we're moving towards floor votes. Uh, Iowa being kind of top of my list right now. North Carolina, not in session yet, but they've already passed it in their House. Only need to pass it in the Senate. So we're hoping for three or four more states this year. Uh, I'm not familiar specifically, you're asking me about the 10th Amendment Center, not familiar with that channel. I'll check that out for sure. 10th Amendment Center at Texas Public Policy Foundation. They're fans of ours. If that's what it refers to, uh, then we absolutely know them. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to jump to Michael Fincher. He says, take our country back from who exactly? People you don't agree with. Uh, Michael, take our country back to what it was intended to be. It's really not about particular people. This country was intended to be a country based on the idea of federalism with most of the power in the hands of the states and very much less power in the hands of the federal government. So, our intent is not about people we agree or don't agree with. Our intent is to return power closer to the people. And inherent in your question, sort of a partisan thing. And, and I want to disabuse you of that notion, Michael, because if we're successful, And I expect we will be. It means California will have more power vis-a-vis the federal government. It means New York will have more power vis-a-vis the federal government. And a lot of states that I don't agree with their politics, but that are dominated by folks on the left. So I'm a fan of that. Uh, Even if I don't agree with the politics of California or New York, I think they should have more power about what goes on in their state than the federal government does. Uh, Let's see. G. William Scott asks in the comments here, I'm strongly in favor of term limits of elected officials when it comes to the federal government. Uh, look, it's not just elected officials. And, and I really have to point this out. If we only do elected officials, what that means is you're going to empower the bureaucrats and the staffers. And so I don't really like that. And I really worry about that. And so I think you have to do term limits, not just on elected officials, but on bureaucrats and staffers as well. I'm right, going to uh, one of our collected questions here. This is from Vicki White. What's the difference between a constitutional convention and a convention of states? And that's an important question. Also, language matters. So when you're dealing with the law, obviously, the Constitution is the ultimate law of the land. A constitutional convention, I'm going to give you a big legal word, is a plenipotentiary convention. That just means all powerful, can do anything it wants. And it starts from scratch. It starts as if there's no constitution. A constitutional convention is intended to write a constitution from scratch. We had one of those in 1787. We've never had one since. We're not advocating for one. We are advocating for an amending convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution limited to the subject matters proposed by the state. So constitutional convention, wide open, anything can be proposed. An amending convention operates under Article 5 of the United States Constitution. This is kind of a related question, and it's the one that we get the most. Is an Article 5 convention safe? should we fear a runaway convention? Let me define uh, what the questioner is asking when they ask about a runaway convention. What they mean is what happens if we get in convention and they ignore the mandate? The mandate is set by the states, those three subject matter areas I talked about, uh, term limits, uh, anything fiscal that would restrain the federal government, anything that would limit the scope, power, and jurisdiction of the federal government. So what's a runaway? They ignore all that stuff and they do whatever they want. And should we worry about that? My answer is absolutely not. It's ridiculous to worry about it. And here's why I say that. I don't mean to demean you, but I want you to understand the arguments about the runaway convention are ridiculous because it takes 34 states to call a convention. That's a super majority, very high bar, hard to get to. That means a super majority of states have to agree on the limits on the convention in advance. Each state is going to commission their commissioners. That means they're going to give them a set of written instructions what they're allowed to do and can't do, they could limit them more than the call for convention, but they can't expand their powers because their powers are limited by the call for convention issued by 34 states. In convention, if somebody tries to do something that's outside the call of convention, it's actually null and void as outside their authority because they don't actually have the authority to do it. They're agents of the states that sent them. And even if they did it, they would be gaveled out of order. Remember 34 states, I've agreed to the limitations in advance. And then finally, a lot of other reasons, but I'm just giving you the big ones. Finally, even if something came out of convention, it's only a suggestion. So something you didn't like came out of convention, it takes 34 states or sorry, 38 states to ratify. That means only 13 states to stop it. Frankly, 13 states would stop anything that's either radically conservative or radically liberal. So there really is no worry about a runaway convention. Uh, let's see, Jeff, uh, Bourgeois says that he doesn't see the comments. So I don't, I don't know, producer G, if they're supposed to be able to see the comments or not. Paul S. Uh, Wubin, uh, on Facebook asks, is there a time limit to achieve a COS trigger? And the answer is nope, no time limit. As long as a state doesn't put a time limit on their application. So once a state puts in an application, it sits there until we get an aggregate of 34 states asking for The exact same thing. Art Hughes, by the way, is saying he sees the comments. So Jeff, I'm not sure why you don't, but obviously the problem is not on our end, something on your end there. So probably some feature you have locked down. Uh, Next comment uh, comes from user 299110, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It says, do you really think giving an already corrupt government the power to rewrite the constitution is smart? And the answer is no, I think that would be a horrible idea, but Congress already has that right? Congress can propose amendments tomorrow, and I think they're totally corrupt, and they're not proposing amendments, thank goodness, and even if they did, they wouldn't likely propose things that to our benefit or could be ratified. You're not going to get two-thirds of each house to agree on anything that they might propose, so we're not counting on a corrupt government to do it. We're counting on the people in the states, and this is who the framers counted on. They gave this power to the states because they hoped that the people would be closer to the government and the government closer to the people in the States. And that is absolutely true in the state legislatures. And they set this up as the last line of defense for Liberty when the federal government had gotten out of control. So no, I I have no faith in in government itself, but I do still have faith in the American people. I travel all over the country. It's not just what you see on the news. I think this is, this is uh, something that you have to understand what's going on on the ground all over the country is different than what you see on the news. The news presents a different picture. Uh, Betty Coates says, why don't you have a concern about a runaway convention, especially at this time? We seem to have a runaway government at this time. Uh, Betty, I don't because the convention is not the government. It's a completely different body. It's not under the control of the federal government. It's under the control of the people acting through the state. So I don't have a fear of a runaway convention. And again, even if there were one, all the convention can do is make suggestions. And I can tell you in my entire lifetime. I've never been afraid of any meeting where people were going to gather to debate, discuss, and make suggestions. The convention has no authority to do anything except for make suggestions of proposed amendments. It takes 26 states to do that, and then it has to go out to the states for ratification. So I've never seen a path to ratification of any amendment that I wouldn't like. You can't find 38 states that wouldn't ratify something that you or I would like. I mean, the biggest risk is maybe they don't get anything done, but there is no risk of a runaway convention. So you don't need to worry about that. Okay, let's go on to our next question from our collected questions. Would the founders really want us to do this? This is question number six on my list. And the answer is yeah, absolutely they would want us to do this. How do we know that? Because on September 15, 1787, Colonel George Mason stood up at the convention two days before. The end of convention and said that we had a terrible problem in the constitution as drafted he said that we'd given the power to congress to propose amendments but we'd not given the same power to the states and he asked the question are we so naive that we believe states that become a tyranny would ever propose the i mean a federal government that becomes a tyranny would ever propose the right kind of amendments to restrain their own tyranny and the answer was clearly no madison's notes say nincom or reflect no comment in latin In other words, there was no debate about this. All the framers agreed, and it was unanimously put in there to give us the right. So not only would they want us to do it, they expected we would do that. So let's see. um, Tracy G asked, do you think you will be able to talk to Governor DeSantis about Article 5 soon? Absolutely, Tracy. We've got some stuff in the works. Uh, We have contact with that office going on right now. So I expect that we will be able to talk to Governor DeSantis pretty soon about this. Governor DeSantis, by the way, is an endorser of the Convention of States project. uh, And so we'd like him specifically talking about COS more instead of just sort of rattling on about term limits and balanced budgets as a separate thing. Uh, He's already endorsed Convention of States. We just want to get him sort of talking about exactly what we're doing. All right, next question. Oh, let's see. I don't want to skip folks in the comments here if I can help it. Uh, Let's see. Symphonia story. Another question from her says, what would make the federal government submit to the results of a COS? I'm concerned it's about a hundred years too late. See Hillsdale College online course about progresses. Uh, Symphonia, here's what I would say. Number one, I'm super familiar with Hillsdale's courses. My daughter's a graduate. So we love Hillsdale. We're big fans of Hillsdale. If it's too late, well, then maybe we should just give up entirely. I mean, is that what you're saying? Because I don't believe that. I don't believe it's too late for America. Like, I have faith. I don't ever believe it's too late until it's all over. And it's certainly not all over yet. If people believe that, and I do hear that from people, I call those people on the conservative side uh, bunker conservatives or proto anarchists. In other words, we should just give up on participating in government. That's a proto anarchist or a bunker conservative, somebody who says, you know, get your ammo and your food and just go get in your bunker. We shouldn't participate in politics. I believe. The hour is late. Things are really dangerous. Things are really bad. But we have an obligation as patriots to fight for our country, just like patriots before us have done. And so I don't believe it's too late. I don't know it's too late until the whole thing's over. And it's certainly not over yet. Uh, Let's go. Brandon says, yeah, the last thing we the people want to do is shred the Constitution of the United States. I'm not afraid to vote people into our political office who act with dignity, morals, honesty and love. I'm not afraid to do that either. And I think we should do that. Every single election, I think that is the base obligation of the citizen in the United States of America is to participate, not only voting, uh, but I would say, let's go, Brandon, you should not just vote. You should give money to the extent you can, you should work for candidates to the extent that you support them. That means making calls, doing emails for them, walking, talking to your friends about it. Uh, so all of those things I absolutely think we should do is, is as part of the base process of our political system. But I also think that we should call a convention of states. Oh, let's see. What else? Uh, yeah, Symphonia, I know you're going back to the Hillsdale course. I watched it and I've been reading about the progressive problem in America, pretty much everything that's been written about that, including everything Horowitz has done about it uh, for 15 years now. Uh, Ejo24 asks, you might have already answered, but the example, for example, for the EPA to be constitutional would need an amendment to exist. But where does it specifically say the legislative branch just can't create it? It doesn't say that the legislative branch can't because that's not how our constitution is written. It's not written in the prohibitive. It's written in the permissive. And what I mean by that is the constitution laid out 17 enumerated powers granted to the federal government, all the rest reserved to the people in the States. And there is no authority granted in the constitution for an agency like the EPA, the way we get an agency like the EPA or a bunch of other agencies like the DEA or Uh, The Department of Education or Energy, they all come from an interpretation of the Commerce Clause by the United States Supreme Court, really broadening federal government authority. And the only way I know that we can limit that is to go into uh, into a convention, uh, Convention of States, and create an amendment doing away with those authorities that have been created by the Supreme Court. Otherwise, we can wait for the Supreme Court, but uh, we might be waiting a very long time. Uh, Randy Cobb says we stand in support of COS. I I appreciate that. Uh, Ejo 24 says a federalist paper inherent in article five. I'm not sure what that means. Ejo, I'd be happy to answer if there's a question there. Uh, let's go. Brandon says things are going to change back to the way things should be. Thanks to having a constitution, the way it is written and intended. I agree with that. Uh, let's see. Ejo 24 says it all boils down to the 10th amendment. Look, I think the 10th amendment is incredibly and critically important. However, We have to live inside the political reality as it exists right now. And primarily, the federal courts have said that the states don't have standing to sue under the 10th Amendment. I don't want to do a bunch of legalese. Standing just means the right to sue. They say states are not aggrieved parties under the 10th Amendment. I think this is ridiculous. I think it's stupid. I think it's a fantasy by the courts intended to stop the states from using the 10th Amendment. And I don't think the Supreme Court's going to reverse that anytime soon, but we can. One of the things that I think we should do in a convention of states is we should give states automatic standing to sue under the 10th Amendment. If the 10th 10th Amendment means anything, if it's to have any teeth, states have to be able to sue under the 10th Amendment to enforce it. And right now, mostly, they don't have the right to do that. So the 10th Amendment's largely had its teeth pulled, and we need to reinstall a new set of very razor-sharp dentures. I think we can do that through the use of Article 5. Uh, Let's see. Next question is from the questions we pulled earlier. Uh, Why is it important that we limit the federal government? And the answer is because that's how you increase freedom. This is what the framers intended. This is the system they designed that worked pretty darn well for the first hundred years of the country uh, and has been declining as a system ever since. It was to have distributed power. The framers understood human nature really well. They understood systems of government really well. And they knew that when you centralize power, human nature will say that humans like power. The more power they have, the more power they want, and the more power they're going to exert over your life and my life. And we believe that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values, that we are a self-governing people, having been given free will by God. All these things that we hold to be self-evident, these things were granted By God to the people. And government is there just to preserve those rights and protect those rights, not to grant us rights, not to take rights away from us. And so all we're trying to do is limit it by getting back to the design of the government as intended by the framers of the Constitution. Uh, Next question here. Let's go to our uh, live comments here. I like this. This is good. It says, we need a convention of states as both parties are corrupt. This is from Barbara Norman. Barbara, on Facebook, I totally agree with you. Both parties completely corrupt. Neither party is going to give us term limits. Neither party is going to give us, uh, for example, a balanced budget amendment or limits on taxes. I think we should do away with the IRS. I'm a fan of the fair tax. It was on the phone yesterday, long call with the fair tax folks. Uh, that's a consumption tax. I think it's a much healthier thing for our economy, provides much more control to the citizen, much more privacy for the citizen and would likely do away with the IRS. And I'm a big fan of that. So I agree with you, Barb. We need a convention of states because both parties are corrupt. Uh, let's go. Brandon back again in the comments says, bad actors who pretend to be Republicans or conservatives till they get voted into our political offices, our constitution works, if our voting system works. And right now it don't work. Like I don't disagree with you, Brandon, but I mean, one thing about a convention of states you need to understand is we don't have to rely on the voting system. So if you're worried about the voting system, and I am, if you think that it's corrupt, and I do, uh, then you should want a convention of states because in a convention of states, I mean, you're talking paper ballots, you're talking a limited number of people voting, you're talking legislature voting. I've never even heard allegations of broken voting inside a legislature. These are relatively small bodies, right? In a convention, you would have 50 votes. I think it's pretty easy to tally 50 votes by hand. People raise their hands and get called on. So I think that's how you look at a convention of states is if you're worried about voting, uh, Convention of States would would not uh, be subject to all the things we normally worry about. All right, Bruno Reno-Sampayan says, it's very difficult to find good candidates because there's so many entities muddying the political water. Why isn't there much of a background check for each candidate? Yeah, you know, I think good candidates are hard to find because frankly, to be honest with you, it's hard to be a good candidate, right? I mean, we need candidates who are articulate, attractive. And I say that, look, I don't have to like that, but we live in a media era, so if somebody's very unattractive, they don't dress well, they're not well-kept, people aren't going to take them seriously, so you need to be articulate, well-kept, well, you know, speak well, have a good command of the issues, you need to be a good candidate, in my opinion, you need to be fairly intelligent, you need to be able to express the things that you think, you need to be able to raise money, our system requires that, and I don't have a problem with that, But we need to seek out better candidates and ask them to run. The best candidates I know have not been people who said, oh, I want to step up. They've been people who've been recruited by those around them who know and trust them in their communities. They already have a base. Maybe they're a pastor or a business owner. Maybe they've already been on city council or something like that. They're known. They're in service groups. so Maybe they've done public speaking already. Maybe they've made money and can self finance. That's how you go out and find good candidates. Let's see. Next question, Ejo24, thoughts on states like Utah and Texas looking to do gold and silver backed digital currency and what the feds might do to squash it. Uh, It depends on exactly how you do it, Ejo. And this gets into really down a rabbit hole that I don't want to go fully down, very complicated. But there's a question about how much right does a state have to coin money, right? And their gold and silver, I understand why you're bringing that up because there's reference to that uh, in the constitution, but we're gonna have to save that for another time. I think the feds would do everything they could to try and squash that. Uh, from the comments that were submitted previously, can we really get rid of organizations like the Department of Education and why should we? And the answer is yes, we absolutely can if we redo the Commerce Clause interpretation or if we simply say the federal government may not be involved in education. Why do we need to? Because it's ridiculous that there's a Department of Education. We have Jefferson telling William Henry Lee that he couldn't spend money on the University of Virginia from the federal government treasury because the federal constitution didn't allow it because they didn't have the power to do it. They were given that power by the courts, not by the constitution, not by the framers, not by the people. And so we absolutely need to take that power away. Why? Because states are better to deal with issues close to them. All of the things we're talking about that should be gotten rid of at the federal government the EPA, the Department of Energy, Health and Human Services, so welfare departments, things like that. All of those things, every single state has departments that handle that stuff. And I think it's fair to argue that states being closer to the people should be and should be better at handling, should be handling them and should be better at handling those things than a federal bureaucracy that's far away, that doesn't know anything about your state. And so I think we should end the duplication, save the money, get rid of federal overreach, and move this stuff into the states, and then let the states decide what they want to do about that kind of stuff. Uh, Let's see. How can we be sure this will actually make a difference? Well, if you look at the history of constitutional amendments in the United States of America, we have 27 of them. They've made a significant difference. And once they're passed, once they're ratified, the federal government follows them, usually for a period of at least 100 years before they start to drift off course, So that's how we know it would actually make a difference. We have a long history of amendments making a difference. Will the feds actually follow the amendments? Uh, This is from, uh, let's see, Ralph Powers. And he specifically says, 33% of the House of Representatives and 34% of the Senate follow the Constitution. What makes you think they'll follow it now? Look, I, I don't agree with that assessment about them following the Constitution. And this is really important. It depends on what constitution we're talking about. This might sound funny to you. People are like, what do you mean what constitution? We only have one, but we really have two. We have the one that you and I know and love. You probably carry around a pocket constitution. I got a whole bunch of copies back there on the shelf. But there's another one, and I'm happy to show it to you right now. I'll get a little bit of workout in here. This one, you can order from the federal government, from the government publishing office. Flip it right side up. It says, the Constitution of the United States of America. And what this contains, over 3,000 pages, this is every single Supreme Court case ever issued in the history of the United States of America, telling us what the Constitution you're talking about means. Like, And so this is what we follow. And mostly, I'm going to argue, the federal government follows it. It's just, we don't like it. We don't agree with it. I don't agree with the interpretations of the Commerce Clause that give the federal government this expanded authority. I don't agree with a bunch of the stuff that they've done in the arena of giving the federal government more power. And so I think this is a huge mistake when people say, well, they don't follow the Constitution now. That's the one they follow. I agree with you. They don't follow the original Constitution. But as conservatives, uh, we got to live in reality. I I would say as conservatives, we should call ourselves realists because we understand political reality right now. And we operate inside that political reality. Uh, let's see. Barbara Norman says our fed educational department is pushing agendas, not educating. That's why we have men in women's sports and men in women's clothes and men in women's bathrooms and vice versa. And I totally agree with you do away with the department of education at the federal level. And a lot of that stuff goes away. And look, California might continue to be terribly and horribly woke and they'll pay the price for that. Texas won't, or Oklahoma won't, and and that's the way the country was intended to be. Uh, Paul S. Wubin on Facebook says, or Wubin says, what would be the most valuable volunteer opportunity in a state that has already passed the COS application? I mean, I think everybody who comes into a state uh, should go in and start as, I, I would argue, a district captain and learn what it's like to do politics on the ground in a state legislative district. In our states that have already passed the COS application, there's multiple things going on. One is we're going to the legislature and we're educating them about COS anyway. That's important because there's turnover in legislatures every year. There, It is possible to rescind these applications. It's really important that we're educating legislators that we're still there. We don't want them to rescind and just educating them generally what Convention of States is about. So district captains are the front lines of all of that, organizing people in their state legislative district. And I'm building a relationship with our state legislator. And then I would say also just uh, any position in the state team. Every position is necessary. Uh, There are technology-based positions. There are what we call social media warrior kind of positions. There are legislative liaison positions, all kinds of positions. We need you in all of them. Uh, Let's see. Ejo24 asks, are you aware of a good place to purchase the debates from the Constitutional Convention that won't break the bank? Uh, If you mean the debates from the convention, I mean, it's really just Madison's notes and you can get multiple versions of Madison's notes, some not notated, some notated uh, online and Amazon. So that's, that's what you want. Really the ratification debates themselves that took place in the States, all over the country, a university of Wisconsin, believe it or not, has the definitive set on that. That set will break the bank. I have one sitting over my shoulder over here. Uh, It's my desire, my lifetime goal to read all of them. I think there are 36 volumes now, everything ever published or unpublished, but written about the ratification debates in all of the states at the time. Uh, So I think that's a really interesting resource that is available online. And so you can look at that as well. Uh, Next question, let's see what we have here from our previously submitted questions. So please continue to submit questions here online in the comments. I love the live ones most. Richard Bernhardt says, is the deep state <coughs> going to recognize <coughs> the new constitution? Okay, one thing I got to clarify, there will not be a new constitution. Right? This is important. There will be amendments, potentially, to an existing, our existing constitution. So will the deep state recognize it? Look, I don't think the deep state recognizes now anything but their own power. I think it's going to take uh, the new, a new administration to clean out the deep state uh, and to put controls against the deep state in, we might need some of those controls written into the Constitution. But no, I don't, I don't think they're going to recognize it. It's going to take you and I and good people, good forces inside the government fighting against the deep state. Uh, what will the change actually look like? So I kind of would take this to mean uh, what would actual amendments look like? So I think you could have amendments doing away specifically with spending on energy, Department of Energy. Anything to do with energy goes away an amendment dealing specifically with doing away with the Department of Education, doing away with the IRS, doing away with the 16th Amendment, the income tax, replacing it with something else, doing away with the 17th Amendment, direct election of senators. I don't think that one's likely to happen, but I would like to see that happen. So these are the kinds of amendments, term limits on Congress. Everybody seems to want those. and We don't seem to be able to get them out of Congress. Term limits for bureaucrats. I call that one the Fauci Amendment, right? We don't want another guy like Fauci that stays in the federal government that long, rises up the ladder of power, ultimately ends up being one of the most powerful people. I would argue during COVID, uh, during the COVID shutdown, uh, the the pandemic, as I like to call it, I would argue he was the most powerful person in the country, maybe the most powerful person in the world, though maybe beholden to the CCP and the WHO. We want to prevent people like that from serving in government for 40 years and accumulating that form of power. Let's see, does COS get any money from Soros-funded organizations? Man, I love this question. No, no, and no. How's that? Is that a clear enough answer? Look, you can—you don't have to believe me. I get accused of this all the time. I, I call them the wackadoodles on the far right, the J-BS, the John BS Society, John Birch Society, say that I'm controlled somehow by Soros. I have a long political record now. I've been doing this almost 15 years. Uh, Yeah, it'll be close to 15 years now. I've made thousands and thousands of statements online. I've written hundreds of articles. Uh, I don't know how many hours of me doing stuff like this on tape there are. There's nothing I've ever said that indicates that I'm a Soros plant. I I think my record's pretty clean. I think it stands for itself. Uh, Convention of States itself is supported by Mark Levin and Ben Shapiro and Governor Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and and an incredible list of people. And go to our website. I can't remember all of them. There are so many. Uh, Lots of what you would call premium, dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore right-wing conservatives. Do you think they'd be involved if we were a Soros-funded organization? You can also go look at Common Cause's website. Common Cause is the number one Soros-funded policy organization. And if you go to their website and you search Convention of States, you'll find they have an entire section devoted to attacking Convention of States. Does that sound like we're a Soros funded organization? To those of you who say that we're a Soros funded organization, let me be straightforward and say you're lying, uh, you're stupid, or you're deceived, but we've told the truth as many ways as we possibly can. So that means you know you're lying and you're intentionally doing that and that's just evil. So that's what I would say to you if you allege that we're a Soros-funded or Soros-controlled organization. At this point, back in the beginning, I would say, yeah, rumors and that kind of stuff, but now I would just say these people who allege this, they're evil, bad people. Uh, Let's see, the question from Lori Ackerman, it's not even a question, Republicans are against Trump. Well, certainly there are some Republicans against Trump, but obviously lots of Republicans are for Trump because therefore, I mean, he's got the votes, right? Uh, like he's polling ahead of everybody else with Republicans. So Laurie, I'm not sure what you mean by Republicans are against Trump. Uh, let's see. Ejo 24 says any plans to do constitutional live with Rick green again this year, along with inviting Steve Dace, uh, Glenn Shapiro, et cetera. Oh man, I would love to uh, Rick and I have been talking, Rick green and I from uh, Patriot Academy have been talking a lot about working a lot more together. Our families are very close not everybody realizes Rick and I like each other, but uh, Patty and I and Rick and Kara like to hang out together. Our kids know each other and are close. Uh, Reagan and his wife, Faith. Reagan is uh, one of Rick's sons. He works for us and so does Faith, Reagan's wife. So the families are close and we're definitely going to do a lot more together in the near future. All right, let's see here. Uh, Let's see. This is from somebody named Mark something or other. That's pretty good. I like that. Mark, I can remember that. Says the corporations and billionaires might try to influence the convention of states. How do we prevent that? Yes, they might. In fact, I would actually say that they will try to influence it. I think everybody's going to try to influence it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. How do you stop people from participating in the political process? I don't want to. I'm not one of these people that think that, uh, you know, dark money is running everything. I think you should try to influence it. I should try to influence it. The state legislators will try to influence it. Uh, People will take out ads trying to influence it. And the reality is the system as set up by the framers for a convention of states is made to handle the pressure. It'll be just fine. You still have to get 38 states to ratify. Information is widely available everywhere. Some people get theirs from sources I don't trust. Some people get them from sources I do trust. And so I trust the American people, broadly speaking, to make this judgment. And remember, and this is really important, it's not voting. There, there's no bold or whatever voting machines or Dominion voting machines, right? These are This is paper voting or hand raised voting in state legislators, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, let's see, um, we've got an online question from Bruno uh, Reno-Sampayan again. Uh, He says, I'm happy to hear that from you because I think the constitution was framed by the founding fathers during this country's infancy and they were principled. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, sort of. I mean, some of them, a lot of them were principled, but they were humans too. And so this is important that we remember this, that we don't deify the framers of the constitution or the founders of the country. They were men and women and families just like you and me. And that means that they were sinful and fallen and flawed and they had egos. And they got bruised and they had personal grudges and fights and personal interests and all that stuff came into play. Were uh, a lot of them more principled than people might be today? Yeah, absolutely. Those are the ones we read about. There were plenty that were really unprincipled too. And so we just got to remember those kinds of people, good and bad, principled and unprincipled exist in every society. Alex Gallimore asks, uh, with Rana, Romney McDaniel, possibly on her way out, who would you nominate to run the RNC? Well, It doesn't really matter who I would nominate. It appears that it's going to be the guy that runs the North Carolina GOP. That to me seems like a huge mistake. And the reason I say that is elections are absolutely for sure not secure in North Carolina. He didn't do anything to secure elections there. In fact, he stood against most of the election security stuff. He talked about it, but did nothing about it. So I don't think that's a great idea. I would have chosen Harmeet Dillon if it was up to me. She ran in the last election. And she had a very strong showing that shows that she has support in the party. And so just to choose somebody else doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it would have been Harmeet Dylan would have definitely been my choice. All right. Next question. Is this only for conservatives? Is COS really nonpartisan? And the answer is, yeah, absolutely, completely nonpartisan. Now, it looks like it's partisan because, look, I'm a conservative. Uh, can you tell? And you probably could tell just by the saddle over my shoulder. I got a gun hanging in the background. Uh, I'm a Bible-thumping, right-wing, redneck Tea Party guy, so I'm conservative. Mike Ferris, evangelical Christian, conservative. A lot of our endorsers, uh, super conservative, and so it looks conservative. But if you look at what we're trying to do, it has nothing to do with policy, right? We're, we're not suggesting any policy that's conservative or liberal. What we're suggesting is that the power should be in the people's hands in the states, And that will go to the benefit of liberal states as well as conservative states. It's just we don't believe in centralized power. And if you ask most people who should decide, you or the federal government, most people will say me. That's just human nature. They would at least like the decision closer to them in their own community or maybe their own state. But definitely most people don't want decisions being made for them at the level of the federal government. And that's really what we're looking for. David Espinoza wants to know how many states are lacking to get this to the next level. In other words, I would argue, well, Daniel, we've got 19 so far, we need 34, so we need 15 more states to get to calling the actual call for a convention of states. Uh, We right now have 18 states running the resolution. We're not going to get anywhere near that many this year. Um, It takes years and years to build the support in a legislature. I'm hoping for three to four more states in this current legislative session. All right. Uh, Let's see. Chris Parr, says, taking too long, all talk, no action. And people generally want to know, why is it taking so long? And the answer is, this is what the framers intended. And first of all, Chris, all talk, no action. You might want to try joining one of your state teams, your state team, wherever you are. These folks are working their backsides off. They're in the state legislature. They're, They're showing up at gun shows. They're showing up at state fairs. There's a lot of action going on. And Convention of States is involved far more broadly than just trying to call a convention of states. Our activists in every state pick at least three things that they wanna lobby on in the state legislature that they wanna work with their legislators on. We call it our F3 initiative for federalism, fundamental rights and freedom. Anything that falls under that rubric, they can lobby for and they can support and will help them. So there's a lot of stuff going on. This is now the largest self-governing grassroots army in the United States of America. We formed this army to restore self-governance in America and foster a spiritual reawakening. And that is going on right now all over the country. So it's not all talk and no action. There's lots of action, certainly plenty of talk, because we got to talk to get to action. Why is it taking so long? The framers intended that this be a massive, difficult project. When you say that two-thirds of states have to agree, there's no other bar in the United States government that requires two-thirds of the states to agree. So it's the hardest thing you can do in the system of governance. And the framers wanted it to be this hard because they wanted to make sure that we just didn't do this willy-nilly, just decide, hey, you know, let's have a convention and let's amend the constitution. They wanted it to be hard. The constitution is supposed to be solid and stable, difficult to amend. It is. And so that's why it takes so long. Lori Jondren asks, I wonder if we could have a tent or a table at local events. I just moved to Alabama from Texas. Both have passed the convention of states. I believe Alabama has. And your answer is, yep, they have. And you absolutely can have a tent or table at local events. This year, uh, we have roughly, on average, two events a day uh, all over the country. We've already had hundreds of events all over the country. So, Lori, get with your local team in Alabama. That's a great, strong team. Sign up to be a volunteer. If you're willing to actually go to those events and man the table and help with that, the Alabama team would love to have you. Uh, Bruno, again, back to you on Facebook. Is California one of the COS? I'm still learning about my state government. Bruno, nope. Uh, California has not joined the Convention of States yet. We have a strong team there as well. You should definitely get involved. We go to the state capital lobby. That's my former home state. Uh, I'm now a proud Texan, but uh, they're not in yet. So that's a place. We're working on all kinds of stuff there. Go to conventionofstates.com and sign up to get involved. All right, going to my next question here. I know we're getting close. Uh, Where are we at now? Uh, Producer G, I don't know how much longer you want me to go, but I'll, I'll go as long as you want until I run out of voice. You just let me know when we're getting close to wrapping up. Uh, Brian Elazer asks, uh, why do conservatives in the state legislators vote, in legislatures vote against this? And there occasionally are conservatives that vote against this, and these are the people who believe in this runaway convention nonsense. It's important to know where that nonsense came from, I would say. It was invented by uh, Chief Justice Warren Berger, after he was chief justice, important to remember, he's the guy that signed Roe versus Wade. So he was the chief justice responsible for Roe versus Wade. And at a time in the country, when a bunch of states were passing applications for article five, trying to overturn Roe versus Wade, he was asked by a conservative woman, Phyllis Schlafly, who I had great admiration for before she passed away, if he thought this was a good idea. And this is super important. She asked a super liberal Roe versus Wade, Chief Justice, what he thought about the idea of a convention overturn Roe versus Wade, and he said, that's a terrible idea. We might lose our beloved Constitution in a runaway convention. So he's really the guy that invented that, and then he got some law professors at Harvard and Yale to write articles about that. This is something invented by the radical left in order to cause people like you and me to not support it. You don't have to take my word for it, Uh, David Horowitz, I think the best researcher on the American left in all of modern American history, uh, wrote an article about this. It's on our website. He did his own homework, his own research. He believed the runaway convention myth before he did his research, and he came out the other side. He's an absolute endorser and supporter of convention of states and wrote the definitive article explaining to you why this idea of a runaway convention is leftist propaganda, radical leftist propaganda to keep us from using our constitution to save our constitution. Uh, next question, will it ever happen? Yes, it will. Look, we're more than halfway there already and we have momentum. Uh, right now we have the conservative movement sort of unifying around the idea of a convention of states. That takes a long time to get conservatives on the same page. Look at our list of endorsers. And just in the last few months, Mike Johnson, who's the Speaker of the House, one of our big supporters when we passed in Louisiana gave a great floor speech in favor of Convention of States. Governor Ron DeSantis, obviously a supporter. Vivek Ramaswamy, obviously a supporter. Heritage Foundation just came out big time for Convention of States. They wrote a great legal memorandum on that by John Malcolm. So what you're seeing is the entire conservative movement starting to coalesce around the idea of calling a Convention of States and coalesce around Convention of States as an organization. So is it going to happen? Yep. Uh, Next question Can the people really make a difference in the process? Absolutely, the people can make a difference in the process, and they're going to. And the only way that we get this done is through the people. We can't get it done. I can't do it by myself. Legislators aren't going to do it without the pressure by the people. So, can the people make a difference? They can, and they are making a difference. Like the people founded the country, and the people will save the country. Mike Chase asks Is it already too late? What now? And the answer is. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know the future, right? If it's already too late, I mean, are you saying we should give up? Because I'm not willing to give up. I'll never give up. I don't give up when that first shovel full of dirt hits the top of my pine box, but certainly not before then. Uh, Lori Jondren says 15, that's tough. You bet it's tough, Lori. Uh, that's why I look so old, right? Uh, maybe I'm not as old as I look. I, I travel around the country a lot because it's tough. Our grassroots will tell you it's tough. Uh, this week we passed out of an Idaho committee hearing for the first time. We've been pounding on the Idaho legislature for seven years, and we finally made it out of committee. I think we're going to pass on the floor in the Senate. It looks really good. It takes time to get this done. It is definitely tough. All the best things in life are tough, though. Uh, Mary Lee Young says, "Why don't we get term limits, which would impact age limits on all of the next election ballots? Let the people speak." Uh, Lee, we can't do it that way. The Supreme Court actually said we're not allowed to do it that way. I don't agree with this. Uh, we had a whole bunch of states. I think it was 23 states passed term limits on their congressional delegations. Uh, so the states did it by initiative. And uh, the Supreme Court said not allowed to do that. Got to do it constitutionally. And so that's why we're doing it constitutionally. Uh, this is how the people can speak. Let's see. Uh, Jeremiah Campania asked the question at Jesus and Liberty, Let's say we get enough states for a convention. What are the chances blue states veto everything, uh, everything that gets proposed and nothing at all changes? Well, important to note that blue states can't veto everything at convention. It takes just 26 states to get something out of convention and then 38 states to pass. So I think blue states could stop a bunch of stuff that they wouldn't like. But even in blue states, the support is overwhelming for term limits, for balanced budget, for things like a single subject amendment, there is overwhelming support there. So I don't think that we have to worry about if something comes out of convention, are they gonna stop everything? All right, I think I'm gonna stop now before I lose my voice. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. I wanna thank you guys who joined us, whether you're on Facebook or, or YouTube or Rumble or wherever you were, X, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. If you like this, let us know in the comments, uh, ask some questions there. We're gonna do this again. We're gonna keep doing this sort of me coming on and just answering your questions pretty regularly. I like doing it because you guys are what inspire me getting the good questions, the tough questions answered. That's the most important thing that I can do. So thanks for being here with us on the broadcast today. We appreciate you. Don't forget to be on the battle cry on Sunday night at 8 PM. Eastern. Also, this is really important uh, convention of states, go to convention forward slash store or article five outfitters.com to get all the awesome COS swag right now. Uh, You can get a, spend $25, get a free mystery t-shirt. So go to article5outfitters.com, get the COS swag. I look forward to seeing you out in the country somewhere in the coming week. Next week, I'll be in Tallahassee. Hope I'll see you there too. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast. To learn more about our grassroots movement, go to www.conventionofstates.com.